Hey guys, this is Molly. Today on the podcast, we're going to be talking about something that has been pretty popular in the Christian news world, and that is kind of the shocking story that Joshua Harris has come out saying he's not a Christian anymore. I think it's so important that we talk about this on the podcast so that we can have the right perspective about this kind of situation, because it not only happens in the news, but it happens with people in our daily lives. Well, you guys, it's Monday again, and this topic that I have decided to share on today is something that I am just like passionate about. I've spent time studying this. I've been getting a lot of verses that I wanted to share, and really today, we are just going to get right into this topic. We're not going to do any icebreaker things at the beginning because I want to hopefully have enough time to share everything I would like to share If I don't get it all done, do not worry. I'm not going to make this podcast longer. I'm going to try to stop at about 30 minutes. You know, and if it gets longer, then we can have a part two if I feel led. But there's just like so much truth that we can take away from this kind of situation happening and a lot of lies that we need to dispel. And so I'm just super stoked, I guess, to talk about this. I'm sad to hear that Joshua Harris has walked away from the Lord. Um, If you don't know who he is, he was the person who wrote I Kiss Dating Goodbye, which was a very popular book a number of years ago. I actually have not ever read that book. It kind of came out before my time of dating. But he was a very influential person at that time among Christian young people. He kind of came out with the idea that Christians should focus on courting instead of dating and also some other things that he talked about. But if you're not familiar with the with the idea of purity culture, it was something that kind of came out around that time. He was kind of one of the forefront people in that movement of encouraging Christians to save sex till marriage and purity rings and all of that. And so he was a very influential author. He went on to write another book, I believe. Um, but the I Kiss Dating Goodbye was huge, which he wrote, I think, when he was like 20. And um, then he later went on to kind of not renounce that book, but have a lot of regrets about what he wrote in that book because he felt like he discouraged a lot of people, um, that a lot of young people were so nervous about trying to meet someone or date someone because their kind of first question was, could I marry this person instead of let me just get to know this person? And so I think he he has dealt with a lot of regrets with that. He actually has stopped the publishing of that book. And um, he also was a pastor of a church. Of course, he's not now, but that's kind of the background information of who he is. So Like I said at the beginning of the podcast, I think it's really important for us to discuss this. I think our gut reaction, especially if we knew who he was, is to be afraid, is to be shocked. And um, I think it's so important that we know what to do when something like this happens, whether it's a prominent Christian leader who who says they're not going to follow Christ anymore, or it's someone in our life, because this is going to happen to all of us at one time or another. Um... I think I bet if I if you could raise your hands over the podcast airwaves, many of you would say, you know, someone in your life who's not walking with Christ anymore um, 
or let me put this in a better way, who said they were a Christian and is now not living a Christian life or saying now that they're not a Christian. Um, And so I think we need to know how to handle this. What do we do when something like this happens? What do we think about this? We need to have a lot of wisdom because it can be a trap of Satan that we start going down this path of falling into lies and doubts in our own lives. Like, well, if this Christian leader or this friend or someone that I respected is not following Christ anymore, then should I be doubting my faith? Like all these things can go on in our head. And so that is why we are talking about this. In no way am I wanting to talk about this to bash on Joshua Harris. In fact, we're kind of leaving him. We're not talking about him really anymore and moving forward to things that we can take away from this. But first, before I get into that, I do want to pray for Joshua Harris because this has affected not only him, but I know his family, his previous church family that he was a pastor of and people that really looked up to him and read his books. And also he has very recently, just like, I don't know, a few days before he shared, he, um, a few days before he shared, he's not going to be a Christian anymore. He shared that he's going through a divorce. So a lot is going on in his life. And I know what divorce is like. And so I, let's just pray for him right now. Lord Jesus, we just pray right now for Josh. We pray that you would bring him to yourself, Lord, that he would realize that the ways of the world, that what the world seems to offer has nothing in comparison to the power of Christ. And we pray that you would bring him back to you, bring him to faith and repentance into you, Lord. And uh, we just pray that you would bring the right people into his life to encourage him in your truth, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Okay, so the first thing I want to talk about is so important, is that someone cannot stop being a Christian. This is is just a huge lie to say that you can decide to stop being a Christian. What really happens when someone says that is that they know that they were never a Christian. Because once we have Christ living in us, we're not going to just stop being a Christian. Um, this is the theological concept of eternal security, which I really believe. I'm going to read to you a couple verses here that I really think express this. And it's for 2 Corinthians 1.22. Um, talks about God saying, And who also, meaning God, put his seal on us and given us his spirit in our hearts as a guarantee. So God has put his seal on us and giving his spirit in us as a guarantee. Now, here is one that lays it right out. It's John 10, 27 um, through 29, I believe. And it says, My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. I give them eternal life, and they will never perish. And no one will snatch them out of my hand. Did you hear that? No one will snatch them out of my hand. My Father who has given them to me is greater than all. He's even greater than our own weaknesses, right? And no one is able to snatch them out of the Father's hand. I and the Father are one. You know what? This truth that we can't lose our salvation can bring us encouragement and peace and rest. To never have doubts of like, well, if I messed up this much, then maybe I'm not a Christian anymore. No, when once we have the Holy Spirit in us, once we have asked Christ into our hearts and our lives, 
we have them in our hearts and our lives. You know, God is not the author of confusion. God is the one who has created um, the Holy Spirit to be in us, like it said, as a guarantee. And he will never leave us. He will never forsake us. And God is stronger than our own selves. And so if someone says, I'm not a Christian anymore, they basically mean I was never saved. All right. Next thing I want to talk about, which is so important, is that Christian leaders are not perfect and their lives are not immune from sin or the lies of the devil. I think we really have to hone on hone in on this because for some reason, we as Christians can put these leaders up on these huge pedestals and just idolize them and just think they could do no wrong and that for some reason they're at like this higher level of spirituality than us. Now, Christian leaders can have more wisdom and be farther along in their walk with God, but they aren't perfect. They're not immune from sin. They're not immune from the ability to be succumbed to the lies of the devil. You know what? I'm reading in Exodus right now. I'm still working my way along in my chronological reading of the Bible. And I was just reading yesterday about, um, I'm to the point where Moses is about to get the Ten Commandments from God. And he goes up on this mountain to get the Ten Commandments from God. And God specifically says that people cannot come near the mountain. They cannot touch the mountain. Or they're going to like receive the wrath of God and they're going to like die. And what struck me was this fact. And I just love it when, you know what, I've been reading through Exodus and I've just been kind of like, oh, here we go. Like I know a lot of these stories and what am I going to learn from this? Is this going to be kind of boring? But as I pray and I ask God to reveal things to me, he's just been like, whoa, like fire, like revealing to me some awesome truths. And this is what my takeaway was. No one could come close to the mountain. There weren't some people that were, you know, better off that could go up the mountain that were a little bit more, more uh, farther along in spirituality that they could go up with Moses because they were better. No, no one could go near the mountain. I mean, I think the priests were part of the process and they could approach a little bit more, but that was because they were there for a specific purpose. But all of the people They could not see God because their sin was separating them from God. This was before Jesus came and died on the cross. And so we've got to get this out of our head that Christian leaders are are at this higher level of spirituality and that, you know, they're better than us and all this. No, 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 no. You know, and Romans 10, actually Romans 3.10 says this. And it says, and it is written, none is righteous, no, not one. No one understands. No one seeks for God. All have turned aside. Together they have become worthless. No one does good, not even one. This is just so important for us to believe and realize because it is not our job and is in fact a sin to idolize Christian leaders. And in fact, we need to expect that at some point or another, they're going to do something that is going to disappoint us or something that we're going to disagree with because they're sinners just like us. And um, that's okay that they're going to make mistakes. I mean, sometimes they make serious mistakes that really hurt us and let us down. And, and that's rough. And it also is, you know, flip side of the coin, those who are in uh 
positions of leadership. Much more is required of them. You know, it says in the Bible, too much is given, much is required. And so there is this kind of um, seriousness of those that are in Christian leadership. They have a greater responsibility to not let people down. Um, But we do need to realize that they are going to sin. They are going to make mistakes. We also need to be aware that there are some, and I'm putting this in quotes, Christian leaders that are promoting false doctrine. And these may be very popular people in the Christian world. Um, Let's talk about some scripture verses that, that talk about this, because this has been going on even in the early church where there were people that were promoting false doctrines. All right, here it is. See the pages of my, hear the pages of my Bible turning? We're getting into this. In fact, okay, I just have to say this. I used to, when I was younger, listen to like, I don't know if you guys know who Mary Mary was, but they were kind of a gospel pop group. And I feel like I just got a little bit of soul in me. Like when I'm singing that music, I'm like, yeah, I just feel like I'm one of them. I have got a little bit of soul in me. (laughs) I don't. I'm totally 100% white, but you can hear a little bit of the fieriness in me here because I'm getting into this because this is all these things I'm talking about today. I feel so passionate about. Okay, um, here we go. What am I reading? Second Corinthians eleven thirteen. For such men are false po- prophets. Hold on, that's not what I said. That's not what it says. For such men are false apostles, deceitful workmen, disguising themselves as apostles of Christ. And no wonder, for even Satan disguises himself as an angel of light. So it is no surprise if his servants also disguise themselves as servants of righteousness. Their end will correspond to their deeds. Whoa, hitting it real hard there. Helping us to realize that, hey, if Satan disguises himself as an angel of light, then of course there's going to be other people, his servants, Satan's servants, that are going to, I just stumbled there, going to disguise themselves as well as these uh, Christians that are not not really Christians. Okay, let's look at Matthew 7, 21 through 22. I'm flipping. I'm flipping as fast as I can here. All right. Um, it says, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. On that day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and cast out demons in your name and do many mighty works in your name? And then will I declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. Woo. I mean, man, it's very kind of scary to think about the fact that there are going to be people that will someday die and they will think, yeah, I followed Christ. I was out here declaring Christ's name and I was prophesying and I was casting out demons and I was doing mighty works. And yet they were never saved because they missed the heart of the gospel. And so let's not be looking up to Christian leaders and idolizing them. It's good to look up to people in the faith that are wise and are farther along. I do that. I have certain people that I look up to. That is a good thing. But we cannot um, replace Jesus with a person. Christ should be the ultimate one that we are looking up to. And if there's a Christian leader that we are following, that they're saying something that we know and we come to find that the Bible speaks out against, 
then what are we going to decide to follow that Christian leader or to follow Christ? Christ has to be the ultimate one that we are looking up to. All right, moving on now from there is it's important for us to be aware of what I think are, these are just my ideas, but I, I think it's important for us to think about these things. The three reasons someone strays from their faith. And when I say strays from their faith, I mean someone who either says they were a Christian, but never really was a Christian, or someone who is a believer and they are having a, a season of straying away and they will come back to God. Um, like the example of the prodigal son who kind of, okay, do you hear that noise in the background? That's because I'm sitting in my bathroom because it's the only quiet place right now. And the toilet is making that like water. I'm not going to the bathroom, people. It's just making that water sound where I don't know the water is doing something. Anyways, I did not need to say that, but I just want you to know that was a background noise. Lovely. Okay. Um, so these are just these three thoughts that I have as, as to why someone would stray away. I think a better word to say from the faith is from the church because they may or may not be saved. Okay. First one is they are, or they want to live in sinful behavior that the Bible speaks against. And so their only way to justify following that is saying, I don't believe the Bible anymore. I want to go and live this lifestyle. Number two is they have become angry or disappointed with God because they are misunderstanding God's promises to them. They're not clearly understanding what the Bible says. And so they're angry and disappointed with God. Maybe something difficult has happened in their life. A major, this happens a lot of times when people experience a major loss, a major heartbreak, and they're angry with God and they're saying, okay, well, maybe what I believe about God is wrong and um, I'm just not going to follow him. I'm just, yeah, I'm not going to be involved in church anymore. Okay, number three is they have been hurt by people in the church and project that on God. So um, something, maybe church leaders or fellow church goers have done something or have made them felt hurt. And so they're putting those feelings on who God is and it's causing them to say like, I don't want to be in church anymore. I don't want to be involved in this anymore. Which something that I feel like we just like have to get it in our heads is that the church is not Jesus, okay? And so any mistakes that the church makes is not a re representation of Christ. Like this has been huge for me is just this quote that I heard from this podcast that I spoke about or I talked about a couple podcasts back, uh, the Just Thinking podcast that I've learned so much from. Um, these guys, they were saying that the church is made up of sinners. And I was like, oh yeah, that's right. And just me hearing that it made me realize, yeah, the church is made up of sinners. Like we're all sinners. We've been saved by grace, but we still do sinful things. And so like, of course the church is going to let us down. So that can't be a representation of who Christ is. Like we need Jesus. We need him because he is perfect and he is God and we are not. So these are these three kind of reasons I can see that someone may stray away from the faith. And I, like I said, I think it's important for us to be aware of that and be aware of maybe it's a route that we see ourselves potentially headed down towards. Um, and also, I just want to talk about the fact that I believe it's really important and that it is our job to reach out to those who have walked away from the church. I think 
a lot of times we hang out with people that are in similar places in life, who have similar beliefs. And so if someone, you know, walks away from the church or they say they're not a Christian anymore, but really, you know, they were never saved, like what we talked about at the beginning, um, we can kind of feel like, well, I don't really have anything in common with you anymore and they probably don't want to hang out with me and um, what am I going to say to them? This is going to be awkward. This is going to be weird. But if you don't go and share with them, then who's going to do it? Who's? And when I mean share with them, I don't mean going up to them and being like, you need to come to Christ, you're a sinner. Like, I mean going about it in gentleness. You know, the Bible talks about being gentle and just keeping a friendship up with them, reaching out to them. Because do you realize that there are family of that person who is hurting deeply, who is praying, praying that someone will come into their lives that will encourage them to come back to the faith. And you may be that very person that needs to step it up and reach out to that person. Okay, next thing is we need to stop believing that we can be a Christian and that our values and lifestyle will always be culturally acceptable at the same time. People, we are living in a day and age where these two things are going on. One, Christian beliefs are no longer the general consensus of the culture. If we look back, what? I don't know. 70 years or something, the average cultural consensus were much more, was much more in line with godly principles, you know, marriages being one man and one woman. I'm saying like, I mean, there were people that were living homosexual lifestyles, but I'm saying the overall consensus and things like abortion wasn't common, but now it's changing. The general consensus, why can I not say that word, is not in line with Christian beliefs. And number two, we're living in a day and age, if you disagree with someone's beliefs or actions, it is now viewed as a direct hit to that person or hatred of that person. There isn't really as much the concept of let's agree to disagree, but I still love (laughs) you anymore. It's like, you hate me. You don't like me. If you disagree with my behavior, if you don't condone my behavior, then you are like hating me and you don't like me. And so we got to just be aware of this, that our views on abortion, homosexuality, feminism, even like what movies and music we watch and what we wear are going to make us set apart. And if you're like saying, well, actually those things, what I believe about those things or what I'm doing, what movies I'm watching or what I'm wearing, I'm not really different than everybody else then. All right, it's time for you to read God's word and step it up and realize that we are supposed to be in the world, but not of the world. We are supposed to be set apart. Let's look at John 15, 19, because it it talks about this very thing. All right. It says, John 15, 19 says, if you were of the world, this is Jesus talking, the world would love you as its own, but because you are not of the world, but I chose you out of the world, therefore the world hates you. Remember the word that I said to you, a servant is not greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they will also persecute you. If they keep my word, they will also keep yours. But all of these things they will do to you on account of my name because they do not know him who sent me. 
So Jesus is saying, people are going to hate us. This is not a surprise to Jesus. From the beginning of him calling disciples, he said, if anyone wants to come after me, they must deny themselves, take up their cross and follow me. This is what it means to be a Christian, is to be set apart for him. And honestly, us believers in America, we need to step it up because here I go, getting all fiery again, because so many of us look exactly the same as our non-Christian neighbor. We're doing the same thing, going to the same places, going out to the bars, going out to the clubs, saying profanity, wearing clothes that are not (laughs) in line with being a woman of modesty, all these things that are not setting us apart. We don't look any different and God calls us to be different. And what I want to say is I really believe that the more you become like Christ, the more you're going to see yourself as set apart from the crowd. The more and more you're going to say, I don't really feel like I fit in as much here. And you know what? That's not a bad thing. That's a good thing because this world is not our home. This world is not our final resting place. It is with God in heaven. And so let's be different and let's not be afraid to be different. And let's not be fearful when what we say, what we post on Instagram rubs people the wrong way and they send us a mean comment or something like I mean that's the least of our worlds uh look at people across the world that are being killed and persecuted for their faith right now in America we have it easy but I do believe in the future there will be a time where we will not have it as easy and our children or or our children's children are going to have to stand the test of do you follow Jesus or do you not All right, next thing is, if we are struggling with doubts, discouragement, or temptation, do not wait till it gets too bad to tell someone. That's what I think about this situation with Josh. I'm like, I wonder, maybe he was talking to people, but I wonder if he had shared maybe his doubts, his concerns before it kind of exploded, if maybe there would have been people who could have encouraged him in the faith. I think a lot of times we hide our fears, we hide our doubts, we hide our struggles because we're like, oh man, like what are people going to think of me? Um, but I think it's so important to have other believers come around us and, and kind of hold us up and prop us up when we are struggling to help us press on and continue and to work through these issues. Guys, there was a time in my faith where I really doubted and I was like, maybe what I believe, maybe it's not not true. I grew up in the church and it's what I'd known from the beginning of time. And, and I look back on that time and I see God was testing me and God was helping me grow deeper in my faith because as I doubted, it pushed me to kind of be talking to God about these things, you know? And I think when we are doubting, it's okay to have these questions, but what are we doing with the questions? Are we just sitting there with the questions? Are we being active about pursuing the answers to the questions? Um, In one of the gospels, I can't remember which one, but there is someone who uh, said, Lord, I believe, but help my unbelief in response to Jesus healing him. I think it was him or one of his family members. And that was what I said during that time of doubting. Lord, I would say to God, Lord, I believe, but help my unbelief. And that really helped carry me through saying, God, I, I, I have a little bit of faith, but I like need you to make my faith stronger. Help me with this unbelief. And I, I really believe that's what we need to do. And we need to talk to people when we are struggling. Hey, talk to me. Send me a message. 
Send me a message, an email, or an Instagram DM and say, Hey, Molly, I'm struggling with my faith. Will you pray for me? Ask those hard questions. Don't be afraid to ask those hard questions because when you ask those hard questions, you're going to have so much more of a stronger faith and God in turn may very well use those answers to encourage others who are struggling in their faith. Okay, we're going to end on this last thought here is let us not be fearful when others turn their back on Christ, but let it be a solemn reminder to actively pursue our faith in Jesus Christ. I'm going to ask you right now, do you believe that you are actively pursuing your faith in Jesus Christ? Or are you just kind of being those, yeah, go to church on Sunday every week or every once in a while and I bring my Bible to church and that's about it. Well, that's not what God calls us to. Um, The Bible says in Philippians 2.12, it says, Therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, so now, not only as in my presence, but much more in my absence, work out your salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who works in you both to will and to work for his good pleasure. So I think it's important for us to evaluate where we are at in our walks and really um, have an honest assessment with ourselves and not just doing this one time, but every once in a while, where am I at with God? And really think about that. Um, you know, when, when it talks about examining your faith with fear and trembling, uh, I think of this example of what that does not mean. And it's, there was a time when I was a little kid and I was at this time where I would like pray repeatedly to ask Jesus in my heart. Cause I like, wasn't sure if I was saved or not. And I'd be like, dear Jesus, please come into my heart. Like, and I just had this doubt. And that's not what it's talking about, examining your faith with fear and trembling. But just being serious about this. Like, this is a big deal. This ain't a little laughing matter. It's a big deal. And so where am I at with God right now? Um, As human beings, we are either moving forward and progressing or we are moving backwards. You know, and so when we say, yeah, I'm just kind of stagnant right here, we're, time is passing us by. And if we're not progressing, we possibly are moving backwards. And so let's ask ourselves, am I moving forward? Am I growing in my faith? Can I look back a year from now and be like, yeah, the person I am today, I am still sinful. I am still just as in need of Christ saving grace. But who I was a year ago is not who I was today. Can you ask yourself that? Okay, next thing, and this is what I want to camp on because I have just felt so burdened by this, is are you reading the word daily? And if not, like daily, like as often as possible. I mean, sometimes I will skip reading the word for a day. Sometimes I don't feel like being in it. Sometimes I'll read the word one day and like today I didn't read the word because I wanted to take more time to think about what I read yesterday and that's okay. Like I don't feel like reading the word should be legalistic, but I do feel like reading the word should be a major priority in our lives as much as we can on a daily basis. And when I say reading the word, I don't mean listening to a sermon. I don't mean reading a devotional. I mean reading the word. Hey, come along with me and do reading through the Bible chronologically with me. You can look that up online. It's a cool way to do it. 
I just found out today that my best friend is doing it too. And I didn't know. And I was like, oh, you're doing it with me. Yay. That's so fun. I mean, we're not at the same place reading the Bible, but I was like excited that she was going to do it. My mom got me into reading through the Bible chronologically and I love it. Um, So I would just encourage you, if you're like, I don't know where to start. Hey, check that out. Try reading the Bible chronologically. If you're a new believer or you feel like, you know, I don't know a lot about the word start in the Gospels. Just start somewhere. Work through. Read one verse a day. Read a chapter a day. It doesn't really matter. Read what you feel comfortable with, but just get in the word. Okay, 2 Timothy 2.15 says, Do your best to present yourself to God as one approved, a worker who has no need to be ashamed, rightly handling the word of truth. Rightly handling the word of truth. So that if you don't read the word, you're not going to clearly understand God's truth. And thus, if you cannot clearly understand God's truth, you're not going to be able to apply God's truth to your life. And instead of making your worldview based off of the things of Christ and God's word, you're going to be making your worldview off of what people are telling you, what the what everyone around you is saying. And so it is so, so important. Okay, we're going to read 1 Peter 1, 14 through 16. And it says, um, as obedient children, do not be conformed. This is a verse we all know to the passions. Actually, no, this is not the one I was talking about. Hold on. That's the next one I'm going to read. This is probably not a more common verse, but it says, as obedient children, do not be conformed to the passions of your former ignorance. We have been ignorant without Christ. But as he who called you is holy, you also be holy in all your conduct. We were ignorant without Christ. With Christ, he gives us wisdom. We get wisdom through reading the word. Okay, I know I'm like repeating this and I'm like being redundant, but this is so serious, you guys. I'm realizing this more and more in my own life. I've seen myself in seasons of my life where I was like not in the word that much and I didn't feel that great. And even now, I told you guys I've been wanting to work on a morning routine. I see a huge difference in my day, like when I get in the word first, like I just know that's what I should be doing. Getting in the word at the beginning of the day instead of just like waiting to haphazardly do it at the end of the day. And I'm not saying that sometimes I don't like fall asleep while I'm reading in the morning or I'm tired or whatever, or I don't read that much or I don't get that much time to pray, but just taking the time to do something in the morning, I do believe makes a difference. Okay, Romans 12 too. This is a verse that we all know. Sorry if I'm talking too fast here, guys. just want to get in as much as I can and not be too long. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind. By reading God's word, doesn't say that in the verse, but how do we renew our mind? The only way we can do that is by filling our mind with God's truth, that by testing, you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. Guys, if you're like, I'm struggling with some stuff, I'm feeling discouraged, I'm feeling depressed, I'm, I'm just dealing with just a lot of junk right now and just life is rough, I'm going to ask you, are you getting in the word? Do we believe that God's word God's truth is what transforms our hearts and lives because it really does. It doesn't mean that we're not going to struggle with things. You know what? I deal with anxiety. I deal with stress and tension and things like that. But 
God's word is what's going to transform us. It's going to show us what's in our hearts and reveal to us what we need to change. It's going to convict us. If we aren't reading God's word, we're just going to be going along and there's going to be things that we are really dealing with that we are going to maybe be unaware of because we haven't taken the time to let God's word convict our hearts. So that's what I wanted to end on today, guys. Um, I really hope that you will go and pick up your Bible uh, and spend time with God and not just make it this one-time thing like, oh yeah, oh yeah, I need to do it. Molly said that. (laughs) But that you'll make it like this regular habit in your life and that you will not only do it yourself, but encourage your children to be in the word if they are old enough to start reading. All right, let's pray. Dear God, I just pray that we would not be afraid when we see someone Uh, who maybe we looked up to say they're not a Christian anymore, Lord, but instead that it would inspire us and motivate us to um, be able to reach out to those in our lives that aren't walking with you and that maybe have gone away from the church and that we would befriend them, God. And I pray as well, if any of us are struggling with doubts in our faith, that we would go to someone and we would talk to someone who is a strong Christian and be open with them about our struggles. And lastly, God, I pray that we would be, that you would give us a hunger for your word, that you would give us a love for your truth, and that our Bibles would no longer longer be dusty on the shelf, but would be loved and the pages would be worn because we have taken the time for you, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, you guys, if you are new to the podcast and this is the first one you've listened to and you're like, wow, she gets a little riled up. I didn't know she was so passionate. Maybe I scared you a little bit. (laughs) Don't worry. They're not always this intense, but I do feel like I'm okay with being intense sometimes because this is like a life or death issue. Some of the things we talked about are just huge. And so I hope that... Maybe you were left feeling like a little bit like, oh, like, yeah, there's some things I need to deal with right here. I need to get in the word or I need to go talk to that friend that isn't walking with God right now. And I've kind of shafted them. I need to get back into a friendship with them. I hope that it challenged you because that's what I'm here for to challenge you. Um, But I hope that you have a blessed week. Thank you guys for listening and I will talk to you all soon. Bye.